You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book. Joining me today, Anton Rosgaard. Anton, how are you doing? I'm doing very fine. I feel uh, blessed to be 28 years old all of a sudden. So, yeah, uh, all great on my side. Everything good over there in Canada as well? Yeah, uh, you know, happy birthday, by the way. Uh, it was a few Thank days you. ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, it, yeah, everything is fine. Uh, but I had, you know, my, my dog had some, uh, some issues um, over the last week. Uh, she, you know, lost her eye. And so we had to... She had to have surgery, and so that's been uh, pretty hectic. But uh, everybody is good now. She is yeah. good now. Uh, she's recovering with uh, a cone on her head, and I feel like the cone is bothering her more than having just one eye. Uh, yeah. the, the doctors checked, and you know the eye works well, and she can still see. She's barking like she usually does. She's a Pomeranian, so anybody who oh. has Pomeranians knows that uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're pretty loud. So yeah, she's she's good. She's eating. She's taking her pills. She, the, the stitches are are uh, settling in. Reco- you know, healing. Everything is good. But yeah, it was a it was a hectic week. Uh, on top of uh, a busy week uh, with the Canadians and the Rocket, and we'll get into everything that happened. But yeah, yeah. everything is. I, I you know can't complain. Can't complain. And uh, she you know the the doctor said that the dog will uh, adjust faster than we will. So oh, that's that's, uh, th- th- that's that's what's happening, and you know, no worse for wear. And uh, we like to joke. Uh, we we would like to see the other person, uh, yeah. In, yeah, in the fight, right? So, but yeah, everything is is good. And you know, I, I mentioned the busy week earlier in the, yeah. uh, uh, and it was a, it was busy, really a busy couple days for for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, obviously on on Saturday, and we'll talk about that game in a bit. Uh, Thomas Tatar was a healthy scratch. Uh, I don't yeah. think anybody was expecting that. No. And then on Sunday, <laughs> they placed Paul Byron on waivers. I definitely don't think anybody expected that. Uh, no. And uh, and on Monday, uh, earlier uh, in the day, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this on Monday, Paul Byron cleared waivers and was officially assigned to the taxi squad. And really, it, it comes down to, Mark Bergevin said it in his press conference on Monday, it was a business decision. That, that's yeah. all it comes down to. It, it's not saying that Paul Byron is a worse player than, you know, Corey Perry or anybody else that they had put on waivers. It, it really just comes down to the fact that his salary made him an ideal candidate and his contract, even with the extra years, Mark Bergeron even alluded to that, mm. made him a perfect candidate to probably clear waivers mm. and they get to keep him. He gets to, you know, stay on the taxi squad and go up and down. And the Canadians get some flexibility with with the cap. It doesn't save that much cap space. Uh, you know, mm. they, they save a, about a million. You know, more than say the seven hundred thousand or seven hundred fifty thousand that they would be saving with the other players on on the uh, the taxi squad. But in a way, it just gives them flexibility to to move somebody else down aside from just the entry level contracts. And I think it was it was a it was a gamble. It was a risk, but a, a calculated one. I wrote that on Eyes on the Prize. I felt like 
like Mark Bergevin felt, he he had a good a good read on the market, and you know people aren't gonna pay a player like Paul Byron for for two more years if they don't know what they're getting necessarily. So I think he knew that Paul Byron would would likely clear waivers, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I was going to say, someone wrote a great article about how it was a calculator risk. And then I saw it was you. So uh, kudos to you. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's uh, as you say, it was a calculator risk to, to Because obviously, you don't know what a team like Ottawa would do. Uh, they have the cap space to just fit fit him in under the cap without a problem. And uh, he wouldn't have to clear COVID protocol or since he's still in Canada. But but yeah, if if you were supposed to just play the odds considering what Paul Byron has added. I mean, he, he's still a good NHL player. He adds speed and he adds versatility um, and you can play him basically from the second line and downwards. So, so of course he adds something, but his production hasn't really been there points wise. And at this point with 3.4 million over two and a half more years, I think that as you say, Bergevin thought it was, you know, the smart thing to do because I think you wrote that in the article as well, that if you were to assign Corey Perry to the taxi squad right now, someone would probably pick him up because at a bargain deal, a 750000 minimum wage right now, um, he could be seen as, uh, well, he's a prime candidate to to just be picked up by, by, a, by a team that is close to the salary cap, but needs that 11th, 12th, 13th forward on their squad. So yeah, uh, putting Byron there was just basically just have that cap space that they've been kind of, they've been working with that like for, for a month now during the start of the season, just sending people down um, back and forth and back and forth. And, and now with Byron down uh, to the taxi squad, it, it gets a little bit easier for, uh, for management to, to handle that bit. Yeah. You, you kind of get a rotation in as well, where you can still rotate guys in. And, and, yeah. and I think it plays into what happened, what other, what also happened on Monday. And, and that's Michael Frolick getting sent to the Laval rocket for, yeah. They say conditioning, but really it's not like uh, an NHL conditioning stint. Um, they're literally just sending him down for conditioning. It, it doesn't change anything. You know, going from the taxi squad to the AHL, there's no waivers involved. There's no, uh, there's nothing no. really involved at all. Uh, so, so they didn't have to say for conditioning, but that's exactly what it is. They want him to get into game shape, and the reason they yeah. want to get him into game shape is is just to uh, is just to play the you know, to, to get ready for NHL games without having to play NHL games right away. Um, so, so I think that that's definitely what's happening uh, with that. And, 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 and I think it plays into it where they want to get him into games. You know, the fourth line has yeah. been okay for Montreal, but I think Claude Julien mm-hmm. is still trying to find the ideal combination in terms of what he wants to do. And, and listen, you know, he scratched Thomas Tatar. He scratched Paul Byron. Paul, Paul, Paul Byron is still fourth on the team among forwards in penalty kill minutes. So it's not like he's yep. not playing him. He, he has a, a very clear role on this team and, and he's still a capable player. It just allows them to, you know, keep guys fresh. Uh, you know, Claude Julien even said when he, when he, when he made Byron a, a healthy scratch, he said he wasn't hundred percent, but he's able to play. So this, what this does is, is it, you know, allows them to, if he's not a hundred percent, just, you know, rest, rest the game, you know, and, and yep. obviously he doesn't necessarily want to, obviously he knows that his, his job is, is on the line at this point, I think. Um, so, you know, he, he'll want to play. Uh, but I think that this kind of make it gives the Canadians a benefit of putting Byron as a healthy scratch, right? It, it, you know, because before, 
you make him a healthy scratch or whatever, that there's no benefit to you. You just get to play somebody else. Whereas yeah. now, if he's a healthy scratch, you just put him on the taxi squad and you actually get a, a day of, of cap relief on that. So yeah. it, it's 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 a business move, but and and I think that they do want to get Fulick into a game, you know, just like they wanted to get Victor Mete into games and uh, mm. they wanted to get Corey Perry into game. And, and the problem with the Canadians is that, you know, it's good to have this depth and, and I think that they'll need this depth going forward. But right now they're really healthy <laughs> and, and it, yeah. it might not last. It probably won't last the, the rest of the season. But, you know, you look at Laval and they're already dealing with three injuries uh, under mm. their, four, their their team already. So I, I think that there's there's that, you know, they're going to need this depth at some point. Right now, unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, unfortunately for the players involved uh, who are missing time, they're, they're, they don't need, they need to make these hard decisions. They, they don't need to, you know, replace a UL army anymore because he's obviously back. So uh, I, I think all of that plays into it. And, and I think that that is something that is, is going to be interesting to see how they manage. And, you know, it, it's, we're going to talk about the Laval rocket later on as well, but it's very similar to what Joel Bouchard is doing. Uh, yeah. Obviously not to the, not that, not that extreme. Uh, you know, Claude Julien doesn't have 35 guys that he has to manage, uh, which is insane. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, as long as there's communication there, and, and I'm not saying that there isn't uh, or wasn't, I'm just saying as long as the players know where they stand, I, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's the making the best of a bad situation. Uh, you know, no, nobody, you know, look, Paul Byron is looking at Michael Frolick and, and Claude Julien is, and everybody is and saying, you know, this guy's got to get into games. And, and I think that they understand that. Nobody wants to be that guy. So I, I do think that there's, there's going to be some competition for these spots, but I do think that there's going to be some hard decisions going forward. And this at least gives them a little bit more flexibility. You know, they already have enough cap face to, to have 22 players on the roster, but now they have a little bit more flexibility in terms of bringing up a guy like Frolick or, you know, even a guy like Jordan wheel, uh, yeah. whose salary probably plays against them a little bit. Uh, yeah. they, they get to at least, uh, you know, entertain the thought of him. And, you know, he's had a really good start to the AHL season as well. So mm. I, I think it just gives them flexibility. And obviously they have sal- the, the salary bonuses with the young players on entry-level contracts. Uh, Nick Suzuki's playing really well. Uh, Romanov, uh, sorry, Romanov. It, it's still getting, I, I have to get used to that because I don't. Yeah, I know. Me. I know. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, cut Kenyemi as well. So, you know, all these things are, are, are playing into, um, the, the business of, of hockey and, and Mark Bergman is trying to, to juggle that as best he can. And, and unfortunately some players have to go on waivers and, and, you know, at least this way, nothing happened, right. Paul Byron is still a Montreal Canadian and, and we go from there. Yeah. And I was thinking as well, like, it's also like this season with the flat cap and everything, it, it's kind of a benefit to when you have a player who is, fully capable like Paul Byron you can you can basically as I said put him on on um, on just a line and he will perform he, he has uh, these he has these qualities that makes him a valuable asset on 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 any wing basically um, but at his cap hit uh, he doesn't become as tantalizing for for other teams to poach when he gets put on waivers if if he was at one and a half million per season or if it was just for this season at his cap hit, he would have been poached by now by another team. Even if it wasn't a, like, even if it wasn't a Canadian team, it would have been a team that would have picked him up. But this season, like there was a reason why they couldn't put someone like Arturi Lekkonen on 
um, on waivers for right. going to the taxi squad because he has uh, a salary which is probable for for another team to to take. And then you're already then you're down a forward all of a sudden. And then we're going, as you said, Jordan Wheel and everything. But like during the whole off season, we were talking about that how great it was to have players like Frolik and Perry as number thirteen and fourteen because they are fully qualified NHL players while Jordan Wheel is in that limbo between uh, a, an, a quality AHL player, but not really um, NHL material for, for a long, long stint. Um, and if you were to lose one of the guys here, um, it would have started, you know, some questions about who will be number 14 when, when the injuries come. And uh, yeah, it was just, um, it, it feels great uh, that Paul Byron cleared. Um, it would have, if he were to, if he would have been, um, yeah, taken by, by, by a team on waivers, as you, as you wrote in your article as well, I mean, it, it would have been something that the Canadians could live with, but this was obviously the plan and they were hoping for him to uh, to be able to be on the taxi squad and and keeping the roster intact for now. Um, and yeah, as you say, it gives, it gives the team more flexibility going forward. Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting because I'm curious what uh, Michael Froelich will, will bring to to the, to the lineup uh, and what... Yep. And, and, you know, uh, it, listen, the, the reason why Paul Byron went on waivers in part and the reason why uh, Frolik went to the Laval Rocket is because he's going to play NHL games soon, right? They're, they're going to try and get him into the lineup. They, you don't do that to, you know, just keep him in the same spot. So, uh, you know, the opportunity presents itself with the schedule, yes. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that there's going to be some rotation in, in that, you know, that fourth line or bottom six or whatever, obviously Tatar is going to go into the lineup as well. I don't think that he's going to uh, necessarily uh, be a healthy scratch again. I, I, in fact, I guarantee that he probably won't uh, mm-hmm. in their next game. But uh, I do think that, you know, it provides you with some flexibility. In, in, and I think that's the major thing. And yeah, I want to see, because it, it, the fourth line hasn't been bad, but it feels like the the, the sum of its parts is less than, you know, Byron's by himself and Lekkinen by himself and Evans by himself. I, I feel like th- those players should be better together. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's necessarily something missing between the, the, the three of them or, you know, I, I feel like Evans and Lekkinen have been really good and showing some some glimpses and, you know, Byron's kind of the the third guy on that line. So I'm curious what's going to happen because the Canadians have the ability to play around with things. And I'm, I'm curious what's, what's going to happen with that. But Let's let's go move on to to Saturday uh, Saturday's yeah. game, and listen for for the first two periods of that game, you know between Julien surprisingly benching Tatar, and the Canadians coming out pretty flat, especially in the first period, and yep. and you know halfway through the second they kind of turned it on, you know you have to wonder is you know does Claude Julien have the answers, <laughs> you know is he mm-hmm. just kind of guessing or you know what's going on with the room uh, are they overthinking it what you know what's going on and then they come out with you know one of their best periods of the season in that third period against Toronto where they didn't really allow anything and they, they really it was really the opposite of, of, of their game uh, their first game against Toronto uh, on Wednesday so it, it, it was they, they played a, a really strong 20 minutes but this time it was at the end of the game and it won them the game. Uh, thank, a lot thanks to Carey Price as well, but 
Mm-hmm. It, it was a very important win for the Canadians. You know, if you if you look at everything that was going on, the, the two straight losses, the 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 upcoming week that they have off with with no games, and and just the everything going around 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 the team in terms of Tatar being a scratch and things like that. If they would have lost that game, I, I it's it's hard to picture a, a very fun week for for everyone involved. But that win allows them to you know, get back into the conversation of not the, oh no, what's happening with this team, but okay, this team is, is able to write itself uh, on its on its road. Oh, definitely. And I was thinking as well, Thomas, uh, Thomas Tatar uh, was the number one point uh, producer in, in the Montreal Canadiens last year, right? Um, and I was just thinking like, because as you said, the question is, does Claude Julien have the answers? Because yeah, at this point there are. It didn't didn't take a lot of losses before people started questioning whether he is capable of, of changing something up. If he's capable of, of adjusting, if he's capable of really adjusting on the fly, because he is one of the older coaches, and you know, old old dogs tend to have their ways. We've seen that in the, in the past at Claude Julian, he he could change kind of his style of play uh before well during the reset season uh where the canadians adjusted the way they thought about playing and he brought in Ducharme and he, he brought in new new coaches which would potentially just yeah change the game up a little but is he capable to adjust during a season where there need something needs to be done and i i'm thinking that kind of obviously you couldn't bench someone like brennan gallier because he's um, a leader of the team, and he's an assistant captain and everything. Uh, well, Paul Byron is as well, but but he plays further down the lineup at this point. But Tatar was the, I mean, he is, uh, he was the best point producer last season. And if you make him a healthy scratch, you really show the other guys that there are very few untouchable players on this roster. We have good players on the taxi squad ready to play. And if you don't show your best, we will let you set a game or two. Um, and also, like, if you, if you don't, if you aren't in your best shape at the moment, uh, we have other guys who are, uh, you know, yeah, who really want to get in there and play. I mean, we, we have several capable NHL forwards. And we just, you know, because last season, we remember, Dano and and uh, Gallagher and, and Tatar was, you know, one of the best five-on-five lines in the league. Uh, this season, they haven't really been there uh, anymore. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's an interesting, you know, change of dynamic. And I'm glad that Julian took the the difficult way and benching one of his most prominent forwards um, just to, you know, show a statement. And then we'll see, you know, uh, whether Tatar goes back into the same the same kind of role he had before, or if you will want to, you know, switch it up permanently and just see whatever works at this point. But they have a week to work on it now, and it was so important to get that win. At the end, it was perfect that it was Gallagher as well who got the the winning goal because you know we know how much his character means to the team, and and you know a positive Gallagher uh, really means a lot going forward. Yeah, you know it's. Mark Murphy said it on, on Monday, just play better. <laughs> you know, if you want more ice time, if you want to be in the lineup, just play better <laughs> or play well. And, and I think that's, that's the message 
right? You know, the Canadians don't have anybody in the lineup by default. So, you know, if, if you don't play well or if you, you make mistakes and, you know, things like that, it's there's going to be somebody who they're going to try, you know, and, and maybe the other person doesn't do any better. But, but that's the difference tr- from last year, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, last year they didn't really have anybody, you know, no, exactly. In the playoffs, you know, they're, they, they play Xavier Willette basically by default, right? Yeah. Because, you know, Christian Foline uh, was in camp and then got hurt in camp and they had, you know, Noah Jolson and Kale Fleury and, that was basically it. You know, Gustav Olsson, I think, was there as well. But, you know, yeah. th- they didn't really have the, the the players in place. And now they basically have, you know, Victor Mete and Brett Kulak and, and uh, Romanov all, all going, you know, through the lineup. And it's it's uh, the same thing with the forwards where, you know, you have Tatar, who was their leading scorer last year. You know, I think he's been the leading scorer since he joined the organization. It's it's just one of those things where, you know, a lot of people were, were talking about Philip Deneau, especially after the first goal uh, that Toronto mm-hmm. scored, where he, he lost the battle to Austin Matthews. And, you know, that alone is not necessarily you – know, a lot of people lose battles to Austin Matthews and, and the puck ends up in your own net. Yeah. It happens. But but I think we're so used to seeing Deneau not have that happen to him where <laughs> that when it does happen, it's like, okay, uh-oh, here we go again. And, and you mentioned Gallagher before. I don't know what the pass to Foley on the tying goal. I think that that might have been uh, the, okay, you know what, let's, it hasn't been the best start to the season. Uh, you know, my, my line mate for the last two years just got healthy scratched. Let's just kind of reset and, and, and go forward. And, and I think that that might have been a, a good message. And listen, there's a lot of leaders in that Canadian's room, you know, mm-hmm. even more than usual. You know, we're not talking about the, the Gallagher's and the Weber's and the Price's and and Petries and, and stuff like that. But even down to, to the new guys like Defoley and Anderson, they're taking Edmondson, they're taking a, a leadership role on this team as well. And, and, you know, they know what they have to do in order to, to score goals. And it's just a matter of, of execution. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, willpower or things like that. It's just, you know, getting, getting the mindset right. And, you know, Saturday was, was a huge win for the team because they don't, they have positive thoughts going forward, as opposed to, you know, they basically went seven periods without scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, after the first period against Toronto, they, they went two periods without scoring a goal, three against Edmonton, then the first two against Toronto again. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, this team isn't going to score like the, the crazy amounts of goals we saw in the first half of the, the, the first half of this, the first, you know, part of the season. It's not even the halfway point of the season, but the you know the, the the road trip on to open the season. Vancouver obviously is having you know their problems, uh, especially defensively, uh, and so I think that there was there was definitely uh, help there, and and even the players are talking about how teams are you know now without the training camp they're starting to get into their systems. Defensive hockey all around the league is starting to tighten up a little bit. And mm. I think the Canadians struggled in how to create offense. And I think it just yeah. gives them an opportunity to, to kind of reset and, and, and go forward and not, and, and, you know, listen, if you're not performing, you're not going to play. And, no, and I think that that's, yeah. that, that's, that's the message that this, this, this coaching staff is, is putting on them. 
Yeah, and I, I was going to say as well, like if they had lost that game against Toronto, the narrative right now would be totally different because then it would be four losses in the last five games. And then all of a sudden it would be like, well, they started great, but you know now they're back to normal. They will be a bubble team. And it would just like, you know, they, they clearly aren't on Toronto's level. And then with that third period now, all of a sudden it is, they show that they can compete properly with Toronto for the division title you know, going forward as well. So it's just important to continue to feel that you are in a situation where you're not only there to potentially make, make the playoffs, but you are still there to, to go for a cup this year. And, um, and, and that you're, you know, getting the marginals on, on your side. And, and just the fact that Carey Price played, you know, up to par uh, was, super important as well going forward just, just to have him more in the zone like you know i mean obviously there is no reason to be worried about uh, a goaltender who is who has as much routine as care price does but it just it is just nice every time that he shows that he can be you know that top tier goaltender that you're paying top dollars for because you need that certain nights and saturday was one of those nights yeah, that, exactly. That that's that's very true. You know, Carey Price, getting back to Carey Price is is a huge boost to this team as well. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Gallagher and and Shane Weber said it after the game. You know, Carey kept us in the game. You yeah. know, and, and that was uh, very important as well. And you know, it, it's it's funny because you know Jake Allen was playing so well, and and Carey Price was was not playing very well, but the team was still winning. And, and yeah, you mentioned how a loss there, even if it was a one nothing loss, people would be like, oh, Carey Price is not playing well. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, but you, know, it's, you can't win games when you score no goals, right? So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely something that, that was positive and, and completely changes the narrative of this week. Uh, you know, just, they're, not, they're not out of the woods yet either. But, no, no, no. no but, but I mean, you, you look at, you, look at you, know, you mentioned the Battle of Toronto, right? If yeah. they lose that game in regulation, Toronto has six points head-to-head against Montreal. Montreal yeah. would have one yeah. through three games. Now it's 4-3, Toronto. It, yeah. it, you know, we talk about four-point games a lot, but that, that's a huge difference, a huge swing um, with two third-period goals. You know, and, and it's you know, and it's same thing the other way around, right? Toronto scored you know, two third-period goals against Montreal on Wednesday. Uh, and help them win 3-1. So, you know, it, it does go both ways, or, or I guess it was 4-1 because it was an empty netter, or mm. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, it, it doesn't make a difference. It, but, yep. you know, the, the fact is, those points matter, right? You, you can't – it's hard to make up a five-point deficit even in the first quarter of the season. Uh, but it's definitely something that happens. Uh, and, and, you know, Montreal coming back was, was huge in that, uh, in that game. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm just wondering as well, uh, with Philip Dano's kind of, you know, rough start to the season and with him on an expiring deal, I'm just wondering if there is a possibility right now, because we know his quality from, from the past. I'm just wondering if there is a possibility to maybe get him a bit cheaper right now if you were to, to sign him to an extension. Do you think that's possible? And do you even think that's, you know, worthwhile? Or do you think that... You know, there there's a reason why Dano maybe is struggling right now and that the team should maybe hold on to try to sign him to an extension at this point. I, I would definitely I, I think this definitely reduces his cost. I I think I I would definitely do it. 
I would definitely sign him. But if I'm Philip Deneau, I'm like, you know what? Let me play a little bit better. (laughs) I don't want to sign a deal right now. Let me play a little better, raise that salary a little bit. I don't know if he's going to get what he was offered in the summer. Uh, I don't, I think that that ship might've sailed unless, you know, obviously you can turn around. There's still three quarters of the season left. I, I don't think he's going to sign that contract that he was offered in the summer or reportedly offered in the summer. I, I don't know if he'll ever get that money, even from another team. Mm. But at the same time, I think he can play better. And I think that that'll raise the, the, the price right now than if he signs it as, as his lowest. So I don't think he'll sign it. I think he'll bet on himself for the rest of the year. But at the same time, yeah, I think that there's definitely a, a space for Philip Dano in this team. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about Ryan Paling or, you know, promoting uh, Jake Evans. Um, I, I think that Philip Dano as a third line center is replaceable. Whereas, especially if he's not playing to the level he did in the past, right? Um, right, right. The way he's playing right now, you can find somebody in free agency to do that, right? I, I don't think it's a problem. You know, obviously uh, a guy like, you know, Miko Koivu just retired, but uh, a guy like him, you know, it's not hard to find those guys. You saw the Eric Stahl trade, for example. Yeah, right, uh, I exactly. mean, you can get a veteran pivot who can just slide into the third line and, right. you know, yeah, play. Kill, play, kill play penalties, win faceoffs. Like, it's not that hard to find a guy. If he's playing the way he's playing now, but to be clear, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you'll find somebody playing at, at the Danel level that we're used to. I hope for his sake he does get back to that level. I, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he got worse. Uh, I, I just think maybe he's squeezing his stick a little bit, maybe the confidence a little bit off. In his own words, he says, once you think, you get in trouble, right? So, mm. so maybe he, he just needs to, you know, think a little less and, and, and go on his instincts a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's time to turn this around. I, I'm not, I don't think the ship has sailed on, on Philip Deneau, just like I don't think it sailed on Paul Byron. But at, at the same time, I, I think that there's a path, especially if Suzuki and Kotkaniemi keep going the way they're going, that you, you, can, you don't necessarily need to sign Deneau. But at the same time, I, I, I don't. I, I think that there's definitely room for him on this team, uh, especially if you're not paying him as a number one center. Yeah, I was gonna say like having Philip Deneau sign a market, you know, a, a reasonable deal for for Montreal um, is a luxury. Uh, and if the Montreal if the Montreal Canadiens can afford it, it's a great luxury to have because then you know because it's always it's always nice to bet on bet on your own talents, right? Bet on the fact that Ryan Paling or someone else develops into that third-line center um, or Jake Evans gets promoted to a third-line role and you get someone else to to cover the fourth one. But having four quality centers, even now when Dano is not playing at his top level, he's still a good enough NHL player to, you know, earn his, earn his minutes. Obviously, you want to see him perform you know, at a, at his normal level, but but you know, it's still having having four centers makes it so much easier to um, to just have, yeah, just produce uh, on an on a quality level for for a majority of minutes every night because you know someone can always be out of shape or something. But yeah, uh, it it would be great to have them assign and then just figure out the figure out the role for for later. Basically, uh, you know, if Suzuki and Kotkaniemi and Evans and Paling all develop into quality NHL regulars the way that we hope they do, yeah, then Philip Dano will probably have quite a bit of trade value still. So, but even with Philip Dano struggling the way he is, he still plays against the other team's top line. He still plays on your penalty kill. He, he you know, it's it, it's still a lot to replace. It's not like you can get somebody, you know, and, and replace those minutes and you don't necessarily want 
Mick Suzuki or, or Cut Kanemi taking those minutes either, right? So it, it's all a balance game, right? So, but yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to play for. And, and I think that Philip Deneau is maybe seeing that he's not as, as necessary to this Canadians team as maybe he thought he was at the beginning of the season yeah. or during the off season. But at the same time, he still has a very important role to this team and those players still get paid and those players still have value. Uh, you know, it's especially if you want to roll four lines like Claude Julien does. So I, I do think that there's still um, a, a place for him. I don't think that they're going to like trade him before his contract or anything like that. I mean, they might, but I, I don't think they need to. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's still um, some meat on that bone <laughs> to, to use an analogy to um, for the Canadians and, and, and get him, uh, you know, use him to his advantage, especially if you're thinking of making a playoff run, right? Like, you know, uh, even if, if Dano is, you know, like Mark Richmond always says, there, there are guys that get you into the playoffs, guys who get you through. And, and Philip Dano has that kind of Lars Eller, Arturi Lekkanen mentality, right, in the playoffs. And we saw it last year in the bubble. You know, there was a lot that was said about, obviously, Suzuki and Kakanyemi playing well. But, but I mean, do, do, they, do they play as well if, you know, they don't have Philip Dano playing against, you know, uh, Claude Giroux, or they don't have Philip Deneau playing against uh, Sidney Crosby? Probably not, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it all goes together, uh, especially now as they're still developing. You know, eventually yeah. eventually the idea is that Nick Suzuki will be able to play those minutes. Yes, Bernie Kikinyemi played over four minutes against Matthews on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's that's good, and he played well in those minutes. That, that's all good, but I, I feel like you can't rely on them to, to do that right now. I, I think that's why I think Philip Dillon was necessary at least short term. And then, you know, there's no, there's never so, so much thing, such thing as having too many players, right? You'll guys, guys will fit into the lineup the, the way you want to. And, you know, the, the best players will play. And that, that's the kind of theme for the Montreal Canadians this season. And it's also a theme. I was going to say, Rocket. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of many players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a perfect segue. You know, the Laval Rockets started their season and, you know, back-to-back 5-1 wins, which on its own is great. You know, they're playing a Senators team that, you know, didn't even know, uh, you know, a week ago where they were going to play this season. So that's that's a, that's a, a challenge and mental challenge. But at the same time, this Rocket team shows the depth of the Canadians organization, right? Look, look it's, it's kind of incredible. You know, we think about Jordan Wheel as like this, you know, guy on the fourth line who somehow played power play minutes and, you know, wasn't necessarily fit, you know, having him center a line and on your top power play in the AHL is great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> having a guy like uh, Joe Blandisi, who we don't really talk about a lot in terms of uh, NHL call-ups or potential, you know, he's a guy who played on Pittsburgh last year during the regular season. Yep. Uh, he, he has a lot of NHL experience. He had a great start to the season with two goals uh, in Friday night's game. You know, you talk about Laurent Dauphin, uh, a guy who was going to get called up if the, the Canadians' NHL season continued uh, the way it was going. You talk about Lucas Vedemo, uh, you know, Ryan Paling, uh, Xavier Ouellette, uh, Gustav Otto Leskinen, Kale Fleury, so many guys on that Laval team, Keaton Primo, who uh, could, could be asked to play NHL minutes at yeah, some point. Yeah, have already. Or yeah, have already played NHL minutes, yeah. and and are able to do that. And I think that it's it's we talked about the roster, and I just want to get into that a little bit. 
they have 35 players with Michael Frolik. Um, they have they have 21 forwards. <laughs> they have 10 uh, 10 defenders, maybe even 11. Um, yeah, no. They really need yeah. that ECHL team in Trois Rivières. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I mean, even if you did have it in Trois Rivières this year, it, mm. it wouldn't make a difference because you don't want a guys quarantining, you know, no, seven days sure. when you call them back up. So it, it's just a, a crazy situation. They have Keaton Gooley in there who's hurt right now, um, but he'll be playing until the WHL starts. You have Gianni Fairbrother, Jan Mishak, so many guys in this organization who are young players who have potential and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how how the Laval Rocket manage that situation uh Jesse Ullinen has played very well I, I was high on him on this podcast uh yeah. I, I I said that I, I I think he's going to play in the NHL this season I still think it's very it's possible I still do think it's possible just because you know he he had a really good opening weekend as well playing with uh playing with Blandisi and, and Joel Teasdale who was playing his first NHL min- uh, AHL minutes uh, after being injured all of last year. Raphael Harvey Pinard uh, yeah. looked great as well. Uh, it's th- this team is is very intriguing, uh, and there's a lot of storylines. I'm happy that they're playing. I'm happy that they have the schedule figured out. And uh, you know, Joel Bouchard has said that he he has nightmares about having to play all these players and <laughs> and, and manage the bench, and it's it's going to be crazy and it's going to be hard for him, but I, I do think that, you know, we, it's an embarrassment of riches uh, and, and there's so many good storylines on that AHL team. Uh, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see how it, how it goes uh, this season. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I feel as well um, in the past, uh, even like whether it was Hamilton or, or now in Laval, I haven't really cared about the AHL affiliate for the Canadians because I've always felt like, oh, well, you know, it's just a bunch of, bunch of guys that they put there on <laughs> AHL deals and they will just, you know, like Riley Barber and all these like uh, journeymen who just come in and they do their part and then they go away again. Michael <laughs> Pekka, you know, now all of a sudden it feels feels really fun all these guys the guys that you've seen getting drafted or you know coming in trades they kind of like you don't know really what to expect uh but yeah there there are a lot of players that you really want to want to see like i'm looking forward to see Hisamutinov as well if he gets Hisamutinov if if he gets a possibility um seeing how josh brook develops this season um seeing if brandon baddock is only there for you know being a being someone who they can uh, expose uh, for seattle but yeah if he has something to add as well there are a lot of players that you just like you're very curious about what they can produce in a Joel Bouchard-led team. Yeah, I didn't even mention guys like Cam Hillis either. And yeah, there, there's a lot of guys who are going to play their first pro minutes. Uh, some of them, like like Gianni Fairbrother, uh, Mishak, um, who obviously played pro, but not in North America. Uh, guys like uh, Jacob Laguerre, um, who is uh, also in, in the AHL because the OHL hasn't started yet. It, it's going to be very interesting. And, and Bouchard, uh, mentioned that on on Tuesday when when the Laval Rocket played the uh, the Senators again, that he's going to play young guys. Young guys are going to start playing. They don't want them sitting around. And and he said that King Gooley, as soon as he's healthy, uh, battling a little minor injury right now, but as soon as he's healthy, he's not going to be a healthy scratch. And so it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch the, the Rocket this year because we get a kind of glimpse at the future that we not, normally wouldn't have. You know, Gooley wouldn't be in the AHL this year normally. Uh, Meshach wouldn't be there. Fairbrother wouldn't be there. 
you know, guys like Harvey Pinard and Teasdale, they, they, you know, Hillis, they would all be there. He's Mutinov, uh, he would be there as well. So some of these guys would have been there anyway. But we're finally starting to see the the fruits of the drafts from previous years, starting in 2017, Paling, uh, Brook, Flurry, all in that draft. You know, the year after Hisamutinov and Ulanen and all those guys, Hillis, the, the, Hillis yeah. the, they're all starting to come into the NH into pros now. Yeah. Right, that they're all start, and this is the and obviously we we already have Romanov and Kotkaniemi right. and yeah, yeah and, and and we heard today that Cole Caulfield will probably yeah. go pro after this season. If, Absolutely, if, yeah. So yeah, it, terrific times. Yeah, you mentioned it before, right? Uh, before these were all like journeymen, AHLers, stuff like that, who who have some value, right? Alex Belzil, <laughs> you know, played in the playoffs last year for the Montreal Canadiens, right? So they they have value. These guys. But now we're starting to see actual prospects join the organization. It's been a while since that happened, right? Because guys like Lekinin came right to the NHL, Romanov, uh, Kutkiniemi, a lot of these guys came right to the NHL. Suzuki, um, you know, it's it doesn't really happen that they go to the, even Mete, right? Guys like Mete yeah. as well, right? So it doesn't really happen where we've had the AHL team with this many uh, exciting prospects. We, we've had them in the past where there were prospects there, but, you know, they needed – you know, Nathan Bollier or Jared Tenorti or Brett Learnout to succeed. Now it's yep. like, hey, these guys don't succeed. There's like five more <laughs> behind them, you know? So it's it's uh, it's an exciting time for the Canadian organization. And, and you know, obviously we'll have our your, the coverage of the Laval Rocket. All the home games will be on RDS for those who, who get it or are in um, in Quebec or, you know, who, who get it in Canada. You know, there's, there's AHL TV is quite affordable, uh, especially compared to the NHL as well. So if you're interested in seeing these prospects, there'll be time for them. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to see them. It, it's going to be, it's fun, right? Because we're seeing all the, you know, eyes on the prize. We've been looking at these guys. We look at the future. That's what we do, right? We, we look at the draft. We look at these guys and now they're all coming into the present. And uh, it's, it's, it's a fun time for us, you know, especially guys like Patrick and David who have been watching these guys since they were drafted. And, and it's time to, to kind of put everything together. You know, you talk about Cole Caulfield, Jordan Harris, uh, as well, Mark Bergevin talked about him on Monday. It's it's a good time to be a Canadiens fan because there's lots of exciting things going on, on top of the team being pretty good in the NHL as well. Uh, Anton, thank you so much for taking the time uh, for joining me uh, today. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. Uh, like I said, throughout this week, uh, we have something, Patrick has, I believe, something exciting coming up this week as well for you guys um, as, as he scours Europe for, for storylines and and things like that. So uh, look forward to to what he's going to be doing later in this week. Look at Eyes on the Prize. We're going to have full Rocket coverage, Canadians coverage uh, all this week and throughout the season and next season and the one after that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe. And we'll see you next time on Haps and Minded.